Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From 2 Samuel, And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. I'm glad to see most of you survived our uh, 4th of July. I don't know if uh, fireworks is as crazy where you are as they are with me, but um, we, uh, we've been in the story of David for the past few weeks here at Trinity and following his life, and we've been watching how God is at work both as a character in the story, but also as the author. And God's authorship is especially important for us this morning as we look at both the timing and content that is the substance of God's promises. And before we dive into our text, I've got a couple questions for you. And uh, I have to tell you, the other services weren't all that honest about this, so I'm, I'm hoping for better from you. How many of you have made a promise? How many of you have made a simple question? There's no, no trap door. How many of you have made a promise? Okay, great. How many of you have broken a promise? Anyone in the room broken a promise? Well, For those of you whose hands I didn't see, uh, either because you are especially righteous or you're shy or you're just more dignified than the rest of us, uh, allow me to ask you a couple more questions to really clarify this. Um, Have you ever said, I promise I won't laugh? How'd that work out? Uh, Have you ever said, I never got your message, I promise? Yeah, I I see a few heads. Uh, I promise just one more episode. My wife stopped believing that a long time ago. I'm on my way, I promise, right? That, I mean, that's all of us, and, and I'm not just trying to provide you some additional material for your confession of sin, but keep that in mind. What I, am, what I'm, what I want us to look at is why, why do we not keep those promises? What, what is it about us that fails to keep, that, in which we fail to keep our promises? Well, sometimes we make promises we really have no intention of keeping. Uh, for example, think of the… Um, an experienced parent who promises the kid ice cream later and hopes that they'll forget, right? Do they? No, never. I'm learning. Um, but, you know, that, that's a promise that, that the person never had any intention of keeping. Sometimes we make promises that we can't keep. For example, there's an emergency that comes up at work or the weather changes, you know, so you have to cancel. Or just think of that blanket phrase, um, you know, something came up, right? Sometimes we make promises that we can't keep. And And sometimes we make hasty promises that are wrong to keep, right? We promise something in the moment, we later reflect and say, you know what, that wasn't wasn't right, that wasn't good, I should not have promised that. And for me to keep this promise would be worse than fulfilling it. Well, we we fail to keep our promises either because uh, we're malicious or we're powerless or we're negligent. But God is none of those things. God is none of those things. And our text is a reminder that God is good, and He makes His promises truthfully, that God is powerful, and in His ability to control all things, He can make His promises happen. And God will not fail to keep His promises for us. And so, what we've been doing as we've been following the life of David is we've, we've been tracing his journey from being anointed as king as a young man, right? He was between maybe 14 and 17. When, when God said that he would be king, kind of through this 
rough-and-tumble journey of facing off against Goliath, of, Samuel, of uh, Saul trying to kill him uh, frequently, and he's still not made king. And then he's on the run from Saul, still not made king, and Saul dies. And this is what brings us up to today. Saul dies. And so you would think the throne would be empty. But David is still not made king because they put son Saul on the throne in the north instead. And so you have to wonder if you're David, right at this point, you're in your 20s, you've had all these opportunities to become king, and they keep seeming to slip through your fingers, and you have to wonder what he's thinking. After all, after how many years, after how many struggles, is God going to fulfill his promise? When will this happen? You said this will happen, you have told me this will happen, and yet all of these things keep happening. And as I was reading through our passages in preparation for this morning, I was reminded of one of those common nightmares. You know how there's some universal nightmares that we all kind of share, right? Public speaking might be one of yours, um, you know, so you're not dressed and you're addressing everyone. Yes, I've had that. Um, but the nightmare I'm specifically referring to is the one where you're trying to get somewhere and you just can't seem to get there, Right? You have a, a goal, a destination in mind in your nightmare, and you're trying to get ready, and you're trying to get things together, but obstacles keep coming up, and you can never seem to make it where you want to go. Am I alone in that one, or do you all understand? You, you've been there before? And I read this passage, and it's an anxiety-inducing. It's incredibly frustrating, because in that nightmare scenario, your objective is what you are entirely focused on. And everything else that comes in the way, you kind of try to force your way through or put to the side or get out of the way, right? And, and you have to wonder if that's what David is facing. Um, if when he's looking at this promise of God and he sees this goal, if he becomes fixated on it, and he becomes fixated on the promise and misses everything else that is before him, you, you would wonder that, wouldn't you? I see it all the time in my house. In my household, we have a few words that are taboo, words that you cannot say. Those words are uh, snack, bath, and pool. And the reason we don't say those words out loud, we spell them, right? You all remember, right, parents, you spell the words, is because if you say any of those, Gabriel becomes so fixated on that that he won't do anything else, and nothing else matters to him, right? If we're trying to feed him, and I accidentally mentioned the bath coming up later, his food is done, and he is totally fixated. Anything we try to do in the meantime is a nuisance to him. And we struggle with that sometimes as adults, too. We think about what God has laid out for us, His promises, and we might miss the work that God is doing in the meantime. Because in our world of instant gratification, waiting is incredibly difficult. I mean, I know. I ordered my first non-Amazon Prime package two weeks ago, and I'm checking the mail every single day, right? Like, we're not, we're not used to this waiting period. It's difficult for us. And... and when, especially when God has this promise of a better future for us, especially when God has a promise of a better future, we can become consumed by that promise and miss the work that God has given us to do in the meantime, the work that God has placed right in front of us. For example, let's use, a, let's use an example from the Bible. The Israelites, as you know, they were, they were freed from slavery in Egypt, and then they wandered the desert for how many years? Forty that's a long time. It's a long time. But that wasn't wasted time. God was using that time to shape them, to make them conquerors in His name, so they'd no longer be a slave nation, but they could go out and be warriors for God, learning how to worship Him, how to put Him first. In our story, David, 
When he's experiencing trial after trial, when he's running from Saul, when he's living in exile out of his land, it wasn't wasted time. God was using that time to shape him to be a king. And we have to remember that God's timing is not our timing. That God, in fact, does not reveal the timing of his promises to us, does he? He doesn't say this will happen and it will happen at this date. Never does he tell us when his promises will be fulfilled. That's something that only God knows. And so only God knows when his promises will be fulfilled. But the content of those promises, what God promises us, he reveals to us and he makes clear. As Father Chris says, God is a God of clarity. And while we don't know the timing, we do know what he promises us. And so for us to pay attention to what his promises are, what he actually tells us, is incredibly important. One of our weekly trips that we do as a family, or we used to do, is to go to Target. Right? And I know that sounds very mom of me, um, but I do like my Target, and I do like my Starbucks latte. Thank you very much. I won't apologize. But we go to Target as a family, and inevitably when we go to the toy section, you hear a little voice a couple aisles away saying, but mommy, you promised. Right? Mommy, you promised. And inevitably the parent says, I promised we could look. Right? I promised we could look. I didn't promise you could have everything you wanted. I promised we could be here and look at those things. Well, what's happening there? The kid is missing what the content of the promise actually was, right? And trying to create a promise for him or herself. You see, the Bible is full of promises that God clearly reveals to us, and we have to pay attention to exactly what he tells us. He told David, you will become king. That was clear, clear as day. And he tells us some very clear promises as well. And these are promises that are also reflecting the life of David. So I'm going to reflect on just three of those. I could keep you here until August if you'd like, and we could go through all the promises of Scripture, but I'm sure you have lunch plans. So I'm going to stick to, to three promises. The first promise of God that we see in the story of David comes from Deuteronomy. It says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. I want you to think about that. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We see in the story of David that there is not a moment that God is not with him. Not one moment that God left him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, we saw that in the verse I read earlier. And David become greater and greater. Why? For the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. I went to um, the beach for one day over our holiday week last week, and uh, when we go celebrate, we go to my grandmother's uh, condo. She has a condo in New Sermon on the Beach. And uh, in the condo has always been this decoration in one of the bathrooms, and it's a story. And, and I'm sure we've all heard this story before. And, and for the most part, when I look at this story, I kind of maybe roll my eyes about it, or I say, isn't this so sentimental? But the truth is, it's a really good story. It's the story of the footprints in the sand. You all familiar with this? I see a lot of heads nodding. I'm not going to read it to you. I'll do my bullet points. But what the, what the footsteps in the sand is, it's essentially, you know, we'll, we'll say it's this, this woman who's walking with God, right, and, and she looks back on her life and she sees two sets of footprints in the sand. One is God's and one is hers, presumably, right? And then she notices that during the difficult times there's one set of footprints. You all know where I'm going with this, right? And so she asks God, where were you during those times? Like, why, why, why did you leave me during our time, my times of difficulty? And what God says to her is, my dear sweet child, I didn't leave you. It was those times that I carried you. And so we rest on this promise of God that he will never leave us nor forsake us. This, this promise of presence, by the way, doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you will always be happy. In fact, I can guarantee you that you won't. And it does not mean that you will always be comfortable. 
Look at David. You want to talk about a difficult life but still remaining in the palm of God's hand? Dodging spears, hiding in caves, constantly fighting for his life? Your life will not be easy, but you won't be alone. Second promise, he will fulfill his purpose for us. This is from Psalm 138, and it's when David's writing about this time, and he's saying, you know, in this psalm he's saying, God, I trust that you will bring this to completion. You will fulfill the purpose that you have set out for me. Earlier I mentioned that God was both a character in the story, but he's also the author. And God as the author is so important as we trust him to fulfill his promises. Amen? I didn't expect you to shout amen, by the way. I'm with you. Um, but, but when you look at God as the author, have you ever read a story a second time and expected it to end differently? Let me ask you that. Did you ever read a story for the second time and what the characters did surprised you, right? They took a left when they normally take a right? No, it doesn't happen. And if you do, if you, if you do expect that, don't, don't admit it. That's embarrassing. Um, we, know how the, we know how stories that we read end, and God is the author. We know that he will fulfill his purpose for us, that we can be confident in that. We see that in Ephesians 2, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in, right? There are things that God has set out for us, purposes that our lives are meant to fulfill. And it's because our stories, your story and my story, are are part of God's greater story. It's a story that's unfolding all around us, a story with a conclusion that is already written by God, which brings us to our third and final promise. God is at work where you cannot see. This comes from Isaiah 43. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is saying that he is constantly at work. And when we hold on to his promises, when we're trusting on his promises and resting in his promises, we have to hold on to the fact that God is working in places that we are, that are, we are completely unaware, that he is fulfilling objectives, that he is accomplishing his purposes, and that he will do what he has set out to do. You see this stronghold that we read in our text that David, David established, the city of David? That's Jerusalem, right? Well, you might not know that the people who were in Jerusalem, the, the people that David went up to war against, were the last remaining group called the Canaanites who were in the land. And that might not mean anything to you except that centuries before David came and conquered Jerusalem, God had commanded his people to take out the Canaanites because they were a blight upon the land and they didn't fulfill it. And so now, all these years later, God fulfills his purpose in his people. You see, God is at work in the life of David to fulfill a greater story and a greater narrative that is about far more than David and David's kingship. God made David king not for David's sake, but so that God could fulfill his promises and his purposes. God is at work at a grander scale than any of us can conceive. And no matter how the world looks, no matter what crisis is on the horizon, we can trust in his promises because we know how the story ends. If you don't believe me, flip to the back of the book. It's there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are God in whom we can trust, that we can rest on your word and on your promises that you have not only the power but the willingness 
and the heart and love and care for us to fulfill all of the promises in Scripture. Thank you for your Son, Christ Jesus, in whom all of the promises of God are yes and amen. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.